1: Coming up on the Hockey News Pregame Show, Battle of Ontario is back on. We've
2: got our senators, site reporter, Steve Warney, to tell us all about it. Thomas Hurdle goes down for San Jose. Are the Sharks once again the favorites to get Max Celebrini first over on the draft? And could the Calgary Flames be trading Jacob Markstrom? I'm
1: Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trikos, and this is the Hockey News Pregame Show, brought to you by BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. What's up, hockey fans? Welcome to the Hockey News pregame Show. I'm Michael Treykos with me, as always, Ryan Kennedy. And Ryan, it's nice to be back uh, doing the show with you.
2: There you go. Nice yeah. little hiatus for you. Yeah. I missed you, man. Of course. <laughs>
1: um, what I didn't miss was the Battle of Ontario is back on, Indeed. Ryan. Wow. Um, you know, the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs are not going to be playing each other in the playoffs, unfortunately, this year. Going out on a limb and saying so. Yeah. And yet we've got some passion. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's get right into it. Um, I didn't have a problem with what Ridley Gregg did in taking a (laughs) slap shot on an empty net. Um, I also didn't have a problem with what Morgan Riley did in, you know, violently cross-checking Greg across the head. Um, I, I don't know where you stand on this, but, you know... This is sort of the response you want to see, um, both from the Ottawa Senators who are not a playoff team right now mm. and are probably a little peeved at that and going through their frustrations. And again, this is the sort of response you want to see from the Toronto Maple Leafs who are not where they should be in the standings and are going through their own kind of you know, exercising demons, so to speak.
2: Yeah, it really was an incident where no matter who you cheer for or cheer against, there was something there for you, mm-hmm. right? So Ridley Gregg, I, I think he's a great young player. I really enjoy watching him play. Uh, he obviously has a great edge to his game. And, uh, you know, was it like a little bit of rubbing it in their faces? Of course it was. And, you know, when you have that battle of Ontario rivalry, it's like, yeah, you want it. You should hate the other team. It's yeah. like you know, you're glad that you are salting away a victory over a Toronto team that needed those two points, right? And should have had those two points. You know, we've talked about this before. The Leafs tend to play down to their competition and then play up to better teams, which is why they will beat Dallas and then lose to (laughs) Ottawa. Um, But at the same time, it's like... Yeah, there's good, you know, if you're Ridley Greg, it's like, you knew something was going to happen after you did that. They weren't just going to be like, oh, that was droll of you. You know, we tip our caps, you Ridley Gregg, for your clapper. Well, he, here's the thing did, did Ridley Gregg and the Ottawa
1: Senators know that something was going to happen? Because, again, this is not the big bad Bruins that, you know, they did this to. This is the Toronto Maple Leafs, the, mm. a team that has notoriously been soft. Yeah, a team that you know sometimes gets criticized for showing up in the regular season and then disappearing in the playoffs. Mm. A team that you know gets accused of padding their stats and you know, being happy that you know Austin Matthews is on pace for seventy goals and yet you know don't really kind of show up in the fight. And mm. you know for a team that gets Ryan Reeves, gets Max Domi, um, you know brought in uh, Jake McCabe, Tyler Bertuzzi. This is sort of the response you want to see, but, you know, typically hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to say like, "Okay, Ryan Reeves, go beat up this guy," or yeah. "Domi, go punch this guy in the face,"
2: but, you know, this is the response you want where
1: it's your star player's kind of showing up in the fight.
2: Yeah, and it's a great point. And, you know, I'm not in Rid- Ridley Gregg's head, but maybe he was thinking like, "Well, what are you guys going to do?" Exactly. Right? And Morgan Riley was like, well, this is what I'm gonna do because I'm sick of this. Yeah. I'm sick of losing to teams we should beat. I'm sick of you know people questioning do we have the mental fortitude to be an actual Stanley Cup contender? Because you know talent wise, sure they could use another defenseman or two. Um, but I mean talent wise, you, you mentioned all the star power they have, all the scoring power. And, you know, Toronto should be near the top of the standings, and they're not right now. And, you know, it was very interesting, I think, that obviously there's 5.1 seconds left, so they did have one more face-off. Obviously, Ryan Reeves came out. Uh, nothing happened. He kind of tried to go after Mark Kastelik, uh, But Brady Kachuk was losing it because he wanted to be out there. Yeah, <laughs> And the Sens were like, no, Brady, like... No good can come of this. Just stay on the bench. You know, you are more valuable to us in the next ten games than you would be. Whatever would happen in those final five seconds. Um, but it it is it was just like I said, it was such a f- like for outsiders, it was so fun because if you hate the Leafs, there was something there for you. Oh yeah, if you love the code, there was something there for you. If you don't like Ridley Gregg, there was something there for you. It was just like the perfect like, you know, social media firestorm afterwards and it continues on. So maybe I'm going
1: out on a limb, but I wonder, you know, as we kind of look ahead to beyond the trade deadline and, you know, when we get to the playoffs, Mm. I wonder if this is going to be that moment where we're kind of saying, you know, maybe three months, remember that three months ago Mm. where, you know, Riley cross-checked Greg (laughs) against the head. That sort of galvanized the team and, you know, forged that whole team toughness. Maybe, You know maybe between now and then we see austin matthews i don't know dropping the gloves but maybe throwing Mm -hmm. his body weight around maybe more maybe mitch marner who i remember covering in a world junior with you in finland remember that hit he threw against a swedish player and knocked his helmet off right like he has physicality in his game Mm -hmm. but maybe this is the moment where you're saying okay you got ryan reeves but it's really up to the star players that core four kind of show up for one another yeah what, what do you make of that do you think this can be one of those moments
2: it certainly could be because and i always sort of joke about like sports psychology it's just about lying to yourself and others <laughs> um i never heard that one before that's uh, a ryan kennedy original <laughs> um but the thing hockey teams love to say is nobody believed in us Right. right so for the us Leafs now the world, it's man. us against the world you know and it's funny it's like I even remember I think after last year's Super Bowl the chiefs were like nobody believed in us it's like you have the best
0: football player on the <laughs>
2: planet as your quarterback but like nobody believed in us that nobody wanted us to win for the Leafs now they can legitimately say like people think we can't do this people think we're soft well yeah. guess what we're gonna step up and you know I do think that when it comes to the playoffs because we're really looking at a crash course between Toronto and Florida in the first round. Yep. And we've talked about the Panthers before. This is a team battle-hardened. They've got dudes on there that are not fun to play against. And it's not just the Nick Cousins and Ryan Lombergs of the world. It's the Sam Bennetts. It's the Matthew Kachucks. right? It's the guys getting top six minutes that are nasty to play against, particularly totally. in the postseason. So if you're the Leafs, I feel like, you know, Max Domi, that's a guy that we've seen him in the past with other franchises step up in the playoffs. And it doesn't have to necessarily be like fighting or big hits. Like Domi can be that guy that gives you secondary offense, but he does have that edge to his game. Ryan Reeves, again, I know that he's been uh, you know, a scratch, he's been hurt, things like that. He doesn't have a big role, but part of me, and sometimes I am evil when it comes to hockey strategy, is saying... If I'm the Leafs I just put him in front of Bobrovsky and if things happen and punches get thrown between him and somebody else or whatever that's a distraction that benefits the Leafs because if he fights Matthew Kachuk, if he fights Aaron Ekblad or whoever's unlucky enough to be on the ice at the time you're fine with Ryan Reeves being in the box for five minutes Florida doesn't want Eckblad or Kachuk or whoever it is, Sam Bennett, they don't want him in the box for five minutes or him with potentially a broken jaw. That is where I think the Ryan Reeves signing, to me, always made sense. It's not the regular season. It's the playoffs.
1: I'll go even one further. Getting Ryan Reeves, you know, that quote or that saying, it makes everyone two inches taller. Yeah. Like, you know you've got a bodyguard back there. So, you're more apt to kind of, you know, do what Riley did or, Mm -hmm. like I said, you could take more liberties and, you know, like I said, it's not enough where Ryan Reeves can has to fight every battle. Mm -hmm. It's that he has that impact and that influence where now it's a Riley going out and doing this or a Nylander going out and doing something. And and I think that's sort of the the stuff that doesn't get talked enough about or maybe it's going on behind the scenes in Mm -hmm. the dressing room where he's kind of bringing this team together. And... I loved his comments yesterday. Again, they were um, sort of prehistoric comments, but um, he loves to make hockey violent again. He wants to see this. Yeah. You know, that's not maybe something that Gary Bettman wants to hear, but if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs team that's sort of trying to find an identity, there's your identity right there.
2: Yeah, it's like he's saying the quiet part loud. Yeah, exactly. But uh, again, it's like, hey, let's you know, let's not make any bones about this. Like, hockey is a game of intimidation, and you know there is that like psychological side of the game. You know, getting under an opponent's skin, putting that fear into them. So maybe they'll you know, they do an extra shoulder check when they're going back for the puck and they lose a step or they get rid of the puck faster because they see you coming in. And again, it's like, man, I wish the Leafs and Senators played. I know. Again, this season is not going to happen, but I guarantee the first time they play next year, Ryan Reeves is probably going to start in the opening lineup, especially if the game's in Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, and I would it, I will love to see who Ottawa puts out to counteract that. That's what I enjoy about hockey sometimes. And we're going to go out west right now for one of the hottest goaltenders in the land, Calgary's Jacob Markstrom. Uh, was named the NHL's first star of the week. And it's kind of a vexing thing if you're the Flames, because they're playing very well. But we also know that they're probably dealing some pretty big names. Obviously, Elias Lindholm, already off to Vancouver. We've been talking a lot about Chris Tanev and even Noah Hannafin. But Jacob Markstrom, where do you think he could head at the deadline if Calgary decides to move him? And that's a
1: very big if, Ryan, because, Mm -hmm. uh, like you mentioned, uh, Markstrom's been incredibly hot, and the Flames have been incredibly hot. Uh, just had their five-game winning streak ended against the Rangers. So, you know, there's an argument to be made that you just – keep things status quo and you try to maybe sneak into a wildcard spot. Mm. I'm of the belief though, that no, this shouldn't change anything that you should go all in, in terms of being uh, a seller at the deadline and whether it's Hannafin, whether it's Tanev um, and including Markstrom, I think all three guys should and could be moved uh, at the deadline. And let's face it, there is a great market for goaltenders Mm -hmm. um, going into this deadline. You know, Obviously, the New Jersey Devils are probably at the top of the list when you're trying to think, okay, where could Markstrom be headed? You know, Akira Schmidt and uh, 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 Vidic Vanacek, both posting sub-900 save percentages this year. So, you know, for a Devils team that, you know, trying to build off of what they did last year in the playoffs, a goaltender like Markstrom could really solve things.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think New Jersey is a perfect example. And, you know, the Devils are still in that place where they still have assets that they could trade for a goaltender, such as Markstrom. You, you know, they're at the point now where they don't have to stockpile draft picks. So if they were to trade away some high picks, some some first-rounders, whether it's, you know, this year and next year or, you know, just next year and you get some second-rounders or whatever, maybe even a player from the minors, like, they have that... Uh, capacity because they are now in that you know playoff mode and obviously injuries have sort of held them back. Philadelphia is another one that I'm kind of curious about because you know Carter Hart, yeah, you know you, you don't have him right now. You don't know how long uh, you're going to be without him. But Philly has done such good work this year that you kind of want to say like we want to go to the finish line. We want to get a playoff spot if possible. And you know Samuel Erson has been. Doing a great job, but Markstrom obviously would give you so much more security back there because he's done it before, and he is playing so well. And again, Philly's got assets that they could part with. I know it's a
1: simplified kind of response, but this always happens in the NHL where a GM goes from one team to another, and they just kind of get infatuated with their former teams.
2: Uh. Could we see
1: the Leafs and Bradshaw Living You know, not only look to a Noah Hannafin or a Chris Tanev as trade items, uh, but a Markstrom as
2: well. That would be pretty wild, and I, I think it could be a
1: package deal. It certainly right? could you get the defenseman and the goaltender.
2: Yeah, and you know, obviously, you would have it would have to be a straight up hockey trade just because of cap space. Yeah, unless you got a third team involved that could you know help out in that regard. But I mean, hey, we've been talking about goaltending with the Leafs all year, and I, I think Joseph Wool could be the answer, but he's not. On nice, you know, he's not back in the lineup yet, so you don't want to leave anything to chance. And you're
1: gonna, and also, even if he's healthy, Joseph Wall comes back and yeah. all, everything's good. You're still talking about a guy that how is how old? How many games has he played? Yes. And you're saying to Leaf fans, this is the year we need to kind of win a Stanley Cup one of
2: these days. Yeah. Like, See, I'm a, I'm gonna be a wild man on this and be like Aiden Hill, Jordan Bennington, Darcy Kemper, all Stanley Cup champions. All Stanley Cup champion defensemen or defenses, there too. Very true.
1: Like, that is a good point. The Vegas defense and the Colorado defense compared to the Toronto defense is slightly
2: different. Very, that's a very good point. All right. Uh, Another team that probably needs a shakeup the Buffalo Sabres. This year got off to a rocky start. Uh, They're not in the playoff picture. Um, But what do you see the Sabres doing at the deadline? Do they? Do they buy for the future? Do they sell off? Casey Middlestad's name is out there. What do you think? It's it's
1: so strange what's going on in Buffalo because, you know, we've been through this before with Buffalo when it was the Eichel Reinhardt uh, core there and mm. they moved those guys off and it was like, okay, fresh start, new dressing room, we got Don Granado and things are gonna be different. And we're still back at the same spot. And you know, I talked to, you know, our Buffalo Sabres beat guys, uh, Michael O'Gello and Michael DeRosa, and they tell me that the goaltending really hasn't been as bad as everyone's making out to be. It's just like this team can't score, mm. and the offense is uh, not working, and these things aren't right there. So I'm looking at the team, and I'm like, okay, so is Rasmus Dalin and Owen uh, Power and um, Tage Thompson settling the problem? And I'm like, no, that, that can't be it. So... End of story is a shakeup is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that we might see some hockey trades going in. Right. Uh, I think a Casey Middlestad is a perfect example of a guy that you know can fetch you some return. But I'm not of the belief that you need to start kind of moving your key pieces mm-hmm. out of there and getting draft picks and sort of starting anew again. Maybe it's you know a couple moves here and there can maybe kind of change that dynamic. How do you feel?
2: Yeah, I I, I think it's a matter of. Fit so you deal like uh, like a Victor Oliveson, for example. There's a player that probably doesn't have the same uh, impact that he did a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and you could move him for somebody that sort of fits in the lineup better somewhere else. So yeah, I could see some tweaks. I, I do think that they'll be better positioned next year in net uh, just in terms of you know experience from a guy like Uku Um But I do think that was the problem early on, and then things snowballed from there, and it was kind of like the mountain was too high. Uh, Speaking of goal scoring, Alex Ovechkin has scored in each of the five games since the All-Star break. So, would you bet against him finishing in the top 10? This is your question. I know. I I would bet against him finishing in the top 10. (laughs) Um, Maybe not the top 20, though. Like, the
1: guy's... Yeah? He's a streaky goal scorer, and you know what? Like, you mentioned this, like so many times now on the show, you know, as the Capitals sort of fall into irrelevance, Mm -hmm. I think Ovechkin's going to get more touches with the puck. Yeah. And it becomes more about... Get um, over the record. Get over the record. And he's only 60 back of the record now. Okay. Yeah. I I was surprised when I read that. I I read that in a story today. And he's at 835 goals, um, 60 back of Gretzky's, um... Apparently he went to Dubai over the All Star break. I saw pictures. Yeah, he was yeah. riding camels. Yeah. Hey. So the cam, the hump is uh, what is it? What's this phrase? I have no idea. Not the monkey's off his back. He's oh, the <laughs> like the camel's hump is off his back. <laughs> Something like that. I have no idea. Ma- maybe there's a thing there. Maybe the Buffalo Sabers need to bring a camel into the
2: dressing room. Very possible. Maybe you've just invented a new phrase. Yeah. The yeah. cam, the hump is off his back. There you go. The Something hump is off like his that. back. All right. Connor, help us out here. Is there a saint? No. Nope, probably not. <laughs> Over the hump. He's over the hump. There There you go. Maybe he's (laughs) over the hump. I'm going to say no, because he's currently tied for 117th in goals. Uh, He is in the company of people such as Logan O'Connor and Colton Sissons, uh, who are very good NHLers, but goal scoring is not their... They're not not chasing Gretzky. (laughs) They're not chasing Gretzky. uh, They're not going to Dubai. Um, I think (laughs) Ovechkin will do fine, but I think now you sort of say, okay, well... Could he get twenty more this year and then next year get forty? Or does he need another year to get Gretzky's record? I still think he gets thirty goals this year, Ryan. He's got thirteen right now, right? You see you said he's sixty away. Okay, he's got thirteen goals yeah. right now. Yeah. Could he get another twenty is what I'm saying in yeah. the next in the second half.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And Why then not? could he get
2: forty next year? Yeah.
1: He had eight goals in forty three games. Yeah, I, I think second half he gets 20, easily.
2: Mm. Right on. Okay. You're not writing this down. You're not going to bring this up later, are you? Definitely not. Okay. No. You're not that kind of uh, I was told there was no math involved. (laughs) Uh, And then real quickly, Pittsburgh, injuries piling up. Yeah. If you're Kyle Dubas, you start selling and try again next year.
1: I would. I would. I I think a one-year reset is exactly what the Pittsburgh Penguins need. Uh, Even if they sneak and crawl into the playoffs, what's that going to do? Yeah. Their first-round fodder, 100%. Um, they got the pieces there still you know as, as long as you've got Crosby, Malkin, Latang, who's hurt mm. and now Carlson I, I still think you've got a, a slim window to kind of go for a championship but you know they need some pieces around them yeah. and right now it's not happening so Yeah, quick one-year reset, sell a couple of UFAs like Gensel, Mm -hmm. and uh, let's try again for next year.
2: Yeah, I say sell, sell Gensel. Uh, When Matt Nieto gets back from injury, sell him because he's a great penalty killer. I would even say sell Alex Nadelkovic because people might need a backup goalie and you can get something for him. Happy to have as our guest Steve Warren from the Ottawa Senators, uh, team
1: site editor, and Steve, uh, Ryan and I were lamenting uh, it's unfortunate that the Toronto Maple Leafs are not going to be playing the Ottawa Senators again because we've got a battle of Ontario just brewing, ready for another game. Uh, What did you make of this incident where, you know, Ridley Gregg takes a slap shot into the empty net and it becomes just a complete, what's the word, gong show? I guess so, (laughs) yeah.
3: Yeah, I think gong show is a good word for it, and I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I think if you're a fan of the Battle of Ontario, going back to those early 2000 playoff series, you've been waiting for something like this. Ridley Gregg single-handedly threw a lit match on an old, dried-out rivalry, and I think that's absolutely fantastic because this really has been a nothing rivalry for a long time, largely because one team or the other has been bad. And so the Sens are starting to improve a little bit. But they're still not quite a playoff team Uh, well they're well out of the playoffs right now but they've been playing well in the last 10 games the reality is though that the two teams have been looking for a reason to get back to hating each other i think it's been there the hatred has always been there ready to you know ready to strike and all that but uh it's just been dormant and and ridley Gregg brought that thing back with a single slap shot um and i think it's absolutely fantastic and i don't blame morgan riley for going after him for it because it can certainly be, be perceived as unsportsmanlike, but cross-check
2: to the face might have been a bit much. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Steve, I'm curious what the reaction from the Senators players has been, at least publicly, uh, since the slap shot. Because I know, you know, after the game, Claude Giroux was interviewed on Hockey Night in Canada, and he was as diplomatic as possible uh, about the incident, because it was in real time, and they always need, you know, time to digest. But what have the Sens players been saying uh, since the slapshot shot heard around the world? Oh, it's just all the generic stuff that you'd expect. No one's going to sell out
3: their teammate or cut them out at the knees. It was just more of a deflect scenario where they're saying, you know, that's how it goes. It's emotional and that's how it goes in the Battle of Ontario. So there really hasn't been a lot of dialogue, as you'd expect, uh, because obviously teammates are always super protective of each other. And I'm sure that there's... You know, maybe a couple of old scouts. I think even Claude Giroux in that, that interview you allude to, Ryan, he dabbled in it a little bit because you kind of caught off guard in that, mm-hmm. you know, I think there was a little bit of him being an old school guy uh, that maybe wasn't a big fan of, uh, you know, poking the bear as, as Ridley Gregg did. But then he kind of dialed it back. For the most part, though, you, you really haven't been getting anything from the Sens teammates just out of respect for their guy.
2: Uh, so nobody, nobody went out and said, kids of beauty, we loved it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't hear any of that stuff,
3: but, uh, you know, uh, there's certainly a lot of guys in that room that love Ridley Gregg and the way he plays. Shane Pinter was talking about that because he's been, he's been on his line and uh, he loves the way Ridley Gregg plays the game, plays from the tips, uh, in there, rarely losing anything in terms of uh, puck battles, so uh, there's been a bit of that, but not a ton. Well,
1: let's talk about Ridley, Greg, because, you know, outside the room, I think this guy's probably never going to have to buy a beer in Ottawa again. Uh, <laughs> um, he's a rookie, um, first round pick, eight goals, 19 points in 38 games. Um, yeah, what, what have you made of his kind of his first year here? He got off to a ferocious start, Michael, uh, first month.
3: He was ahead of even Connor Bedard in scoring, and then he got hurt for a while. So that was uh, unfortunate for him, kind of knocked him off stride. But he's been the little ball of hate that he was advertised as when they drafted him uh, back in that very lucrative 2020 NHL draft that saw them also get in the first round, Tim Stutzler and Jake Sanderson. So I think he's been very good. I think the only thing that you you think about him, and I thought about this like a name from the past, like uh, Mike Pekka. That was a guy that played the game, in a a very similar way, Ridley Gregg does, but maybe um, trying to, I don't know, what's the expression, Uh, write checks that his body can't cash, kind of slight. And I worry about maybe his uh, his ability to stay healthy based on the way he plays and just throws his body into every situation. He's a guy you love to have on your team, but that would be my only concern about him moving forward. Can he stay healthy? I think as as he matures uh, physically, Uh, He is going to be someone that the rest of the Atlantic division, including the Leafs, will absolutely hate to play against. And he's really got a nice offensive upside as well. Makes some really clever decisions with the puck. And he, if you still buy into the plus minus category, he's one of the leaders on this team right now.
2: There you go. Well, uh, another prominent player who's been in the headlines recently, Vladimir Tarasenko. There have been some trade rumors. Uh, Now we're not so sure. Uh, What are you hearing from from Tarasenko and and what the outcome might be uh, at the trade deadline, whether he remains in Ottawa or not? Well,
3: I think the last time I was on with you, I predicted Jacques Martin might be the next head coach of the team. So I'm going to go out on a limb for you guys again today and say that (laughs) Tarasenko is probably going to be a member of another NHL team uh, a month from now. Uh, After the trade deadline, I think he's on his way out. I thought there's a number of reasons, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. When he talked to the media on Monday morning, he sounded a little sensitive about the whole thing. Uh, Just reading between the lines a bit. But there's too many things that are working against him coming back here. Like, think about being a 32-year-old NHL player. You're a UFA this summer. And you're looking for, you know, a little money and term to kind of close it out. Maybe one last home run deal. Are the Sens in a position to offer that? Um they probably could, but at the same time, when you hear a guy has fired his agent, he's changed agents again, second time in 10 months, why are you doing that less than a month before the trade deadline? Chances are Tarasenko doing that because he's expecting something to happen come the trade deadline. And why would you expect that if you have a no trade clause? Mm. He's obviously expecting something potentially to happen, wants to have the right uh, representation in place. And I just don't think that if he's thinking about, okay, I'm going to let the season play out and worry about free agency on July 1st, that's five months away. Just, I mean, it, it all could, it all, I mean, it might be exactly like Tarosenko says, he's wide open to it. I just think there's too many things working against it. And also the fact that, you know, he's 32 years old and uh, you know, he's spent four months with the 28th place team in the national hockey league. I don't know that he's necessarily fallen in love with being an Ottawa Senator that much where he's willing to take this sort of you know low-salary, low-term deal. Uh, I just think he's going to go and try and get the best deal he can to the open auction of unrestricted free agency or be traded at the deadline.
1: Hey, Steve, you mentioned Jacques Martin, and obviously he's not going to be a long-term solution for the sends behind the bench. And there is a case to be made that, you know, with the Todd McClellan out there, with a the Dean Evison, with a Craig Berube, like now's your chance to kind of pounce on one of these free agent coaches. Any chance that the Sens make a move before the end of the season or, you know, of those three, do you think that one of them could be coming to Ottawa even in the summer? Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, I think Jacques Martin is definitely going to be
3: uh, replaced sometime between now and the fall. If you look at Steve Stavis' comments in his Q&A, I guess we're about three weeks ago from that, uh, he was very clearly going down the road talking about his search for the next coach. And uh, he he really was kind of going down that road, like saying, okay, we are definitely looking for a new coach. And then he kind of dialed it back a little bit. So if you read between the lines, listening to Steve Stavis three weeks ago, I think he's definitely going with someone new for the fall, even though a case could be made. Like if the Sens went on a run and made the playoffs, which isn't going to happen, unfortunately, but if they did, (laughs) it would be awfully hard if Jacques Martin does want to come back, not to give him that opportunity to do that with a historical run. But I think that the Sens right now are looking at things. Let's see what, you know, they want to do. That's the thing about uh, Steos and Andlauer. Due diligence is kind of the name of their game. That's why DJ Smith lasted as long as he did. They wanted to gather information, see what they had in him, even though Sens fans were screaming for him to be fired when they were getting off to another bad start back in November, and they waited and waited and wanted to gather information. So that's how that played out, and I think they'll have the same approach, and it's a professional one in their next head coach uh it's possible that the next head coach might still be employed with someone else not necessarily the guys that have just recently been fired that everybody's talking about like a Barube. so i think um i mean anything everything's on the table right now with this organization they want to make a good choice moving forward because this will be if they are to have a successful rebuild and become a stanley cup contender someday this will be the captain of the ship as they try and, uh, and get that done
1: Great stuff. Hey, listen, uh, Ryan and I are both secretly hoping that they do go on a run and uh, the Leafs and Sens can meet in the first round. Not going to happen, but uh,
0: <laughs>
1: thanks well, again, Steve. Ho-
3: hopefully one of them gets there anyway.
1: <laughs> there you yeah, go. yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, thanks again to Steve Warren. Uh, coming up after the break, we've got our future watch segment. Stick with
0: us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame Show. And Mike, when it rains, it pours in San Jose. And they do get a lot of rain in that area. Uh, Thomas Hurdle, Yeah. Out of the lineup. Sharks were already suffering this year. Can they catch the Chicago Blackhawks for first place in the draft lottery odds and the right to select Max Celebrini? Yeah, I, I think 100% because two things are happening, uh, hurdles going
1: out, and on the flip side, Connor Bedard in Chicago is coming back in, yep. so Chicago I think is going to start winning a little bit more, um, they're not going to win a ton more, but <laughs> right. they're going to be a little better than San Jose, and the Sharks are still without Logan Couture, who mm. looks like he probably is, yeah, I'm going out on a limb saying he's probably not going to play this year, um, or if he does, it's not going to be anytime soon. Mm. So. You remove know, your roof hurdle and no couture, you know, that Sharks team is just
2: prime for uh, last place. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, you make a good point about Bedard. It's funny, too. It's like talking about the trade deadline. Obviously, we haven't really talked about Chicago because they don't have much. But I'm kind of wondering at this point, like, do they even add maybe a veteran from a team that needs to, like, shed salary just to have somebody else for Bedard to either play off or just, you know, have that experience where, you know, they thought it was going to be Corey Perry, and obviously that didn't work out. Mm. Um, you That's know, a good point, Paul gets hurt. You know, yeah. I mean, they do have Felino but I wonder if they just, like, kind of go to the bargain bin and say, like, oh, you know, this team needed to lose a body and maybe we can get a pending rental, mm. things like that um but going back to the draft yeah which i love who deserves the first overall pick this year because we got a lot of candidates we got chicago obviously san jose obviously anaheim columbus and then Ottawa and Buffalo. Again, you don't have to be the worst team to win right. the lottery. You just have to be kind of in the mix. Got to be in the range. Could even throw Montreal in there too. You could throw Montreal in there too. Uh, who do you think deserves the number 1 pick this year? Okay, when I
1: say deserving of a pick, I yeah. almost think like like Edmonton never deserves another f- number 1 overall pick. Right. Okay. Not so. for another like 30 years. Yeah. yeah. So, when I'm saying like this is a team that almost could use one, and they haven't had a number one overall pick in a long time. I'm going Columbus. Uh Um, Obviously, they get Adam Fantilli last year. I think adding a guy like Macklin Celebrini with a number one overall pick uh, can really kind of reinvigorate that roster. And I think that roster is really close. I was kind of disappointed at how Poorly, the Blue Jackets have been this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have got Johnny Gaudreau. Obviously, Patrick Laine has stepped away from uh, the team right now. They had the coaching issues at the beginning of the season, mm. before the season even began. But um, you know, I'm loath to kind of give them another youngster, especially when they're not playing their youngsters. Yeah. At the same time, you know, that's a great market. I I have a soft spot for Columbus. Mm-hmm. I think it's just it's ready to take off. They just need some exciting players there.
2: Yeah, I agree. It is a great market. Uh, I was kind of kind. I was going to joke if they get Celebrini, they'd end up putting him on the fourth line. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm going to go with San Jose okay. because this is a team that you know GM Mike Greer is obviously you know stripping the team down, uh, but has kept some veterans. You know, mm-hmm. like a couture, like a Hurdle, and you know, I mean they're hurt now, but you can't do anything about that. But you know, he's doing the rebuild the right way. He's getting assets. Uh, Will Smith was a great first pick last year, and um, they're building towards something. You no, know, Will they Smith
1: and Celebrini play well together, though, Ryan. They're they're kind of rivals this year. Well, there aren't
2: they? you go. It's a bean pot <laughs> rivalry. Uh, but imagine if they were your top two centers yeah. of the future. That's pretty hot. It would be great. Right? It would almost be like a Hughes Hishire kind of situation. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I like that. And again, I've said this before. I apologize if I'm a broken record. But Max Celebrini. Once played for the San Jose Junior Sharks because his dad works for the Golden State Warriors uh, in the sort of sports science uh, department. So kind of a fun little homecoming, even though Celebrini is from Vancouver originally. He spent time in the Bay Area. So I just feel like that works really well, and I enjoy that. Well, let me ask you this, okay? We keep talking Macklin Celebrini in Mm -hmm. the same way that last year we
1: kept talking Bedard. but. Obviously, the draft goes beyond the number one overall pick. Who's exciting you for, you know, say it is San Jose, they get number one. Mm. What does a Chicago or a Columbus or even a Montreal, like what's out there? Like how does your top five kind of rank and, um, you know, are there prospects that are kind of on the cusp of, you know, challenging celebrating or even being NHL ready?
2: yeah i don't think anybody's challenging celebrini but i will say that there's a couple of defensemen and it's it's doubly hard for defensemen to go straight from the draft don't get me wrong but i look at artem levchnoff who's with michigan state university he's a late birthday so he would be 19 sort of at the beginning of the next season he's pretty NHL ready. He's a two-way guy, lots of good offense, almost a point per gamer with the Spartans, which is pretty impressive for a freshman. Right. Uh, and then even Sam Dickinson with the London Knights. I mean, this kid, he's got an NHL frame already, great two-way defenseman. I would say, you know, even better defensively than offensively. Like, he's getting a lot of points this year, but I really love his details and his physicality in his own zone. So those are guys that I could see Jumping into the NHL right away at the top of the draft, you know you've got guys like I- I- Ivan Demidov, uh from Saint Petersburg and Anton Siliev, who's a giant defenseman with Torpedo in the KHL. I don't think they're coming over right away, uh, but they would be sort of in that sort of two to three range for me right now. And these
1: guys uh, that you ranked uh, or that you had right now. Is- are those amongst your top five right now?
2: Yeah, I would go Celebrini, Siliev Demadov, and then you get into, like, um, you know, Levshnov, Dickinson, Berkeley, catton with Spokane, who's a center, Caden Lindstrom, who's a massive center with Medicine Hat. That would be sort of, like, the top group. But all of them would sort of be after Celebrini. Interesting. And Cole Iserman as well from the NTDP. Yeah, I always wonder, like, uh, I know teams
1: don't go by position. They mm-hmm. always, like, it's... Yeah, whoever the best guy. The list is, is the list. A list is the list. At yeah. the same time, if you're maybe Anaheim, you're kind of like, hey, um, maybe it's good if we don't get number one pick because you know we could use a, a, a guy to kind of fill in for Jamie Drysdale.
2: Yeah, and and maybe even a guy that you don't see for another two years that you know develops elsewhere. Then some some of your younger defensemen like Minchakov and Zellweger and Lacombe get more experience, so they're not all at once. Uh, real quickly, there was talk of an NCAA, CHL, uh, I guess, detente in a way, where CHL players could join college afterwards. Yeah. Seems like it's dead in the water now. Uh, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I think that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we keep seeing NCAA players um, after one or two years go to the OHL because you know their NHL team um, deems it better to kind of learn. Um,
2: or they didn't go to class or they didn't go to
1: class. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, it'd be nice if that kind of same situation worked the other way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the argument is obviously that the major junior uh, leagues in Canada are basically semi-pro leagues. You are getting paid. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now, the only university that they could go to is a Canadian universities, so uh, I think it's unfortunate, especially for some overage kids.
2: Mm. I think it would have been fun. I think the big NCAA schools probably would have suffered, but the little NCAA schools would have benefited. Yeah. Uh, so I can see both sides on that. Ryan, do I need to tell you what time it is? You don't, but I'm going to say it anyways.
1: It's rapid fire time. All right, producer Connor, hit us up with some questions.
0: Well, we had a bit of a football theme, theme uh, when you were away, and I didn't want to leave you out. Okay. so. Brand new, was he an NHLer? Football edition. All These right. are all players who have played in the NFL or the NHL. Okay. Are you ready? Yes.
2: Yeah, so I was going to say if it was CFL, I'd be toast. <laughs> so I'm glad it's NFL.
0: Well, let's start with Jake Scott. Ooh,
2: Jake Scott. That screams football to me. Okay. He sounds like an unsuccessful quarterback. I'm, I'm, go- <laughs> I'm
1: going uh, NHL.
0: Well, it's one nothing, Mr. Kennedy. Ugh, he is. He started his career, as you mentioned, with the CFL in the CFL with the BC <laughs> Lions. There you go. Uh, played for Miami and Washington. Won Super Bowl MVP really? despite losing the game. Oh. Uh, and he ended up winning the Vince Lombardi the next year. But yes, Super Bowl MVP. What era was that? <laughs> uh, the 1970s.
2: Oh, okay. Leather helmets. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> next, we will go. Harvey Martin.
2: Mm. I'm going NFL. I, yeah, you know what? I'm going NFL because I, I feel like a Harvey would stick out in hockey history. There's not a lot of Harveys. So I'm going to go NFL.
0: You are correct. Nice. Only played for Dallas, won a Super Bowl, and was also a Super Bowl MVP. Co-Super Bowl MVP. Oh. Wow. Two guys won it that year. Interesting. Next one, George Ferguson. Ooh,
2: I'm gonna go hockey on that one. I don't have, I don't know a George Ferguson, but that feels like an old-timey hockey player, like he played for the Hamilton Tigers or something like that. Part of me thinks he's gotta go eventually hockey, but then I'm also like, he's
1: crazy <laughs> enough where he's like, he might just go three straight <laughs> in. Him. I'm gonna go NFL.
0: It was hockey. Yeah. Drafted 11th overall in the 1972 NHL draft by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, okay. Played for the Leafs, Penguins, and Minnesota North Stars. Nice. 797 games, uh, 160 goals, 238 assists for 398 points. There you go. Next up, Greg Malone.
2: Greg Malone. Ooh. I could really go either way. Sounds like Bugsy Malone or something. Yeah, exactly. Like he's think, I'm going hockey. I'm going football on this one. Yeah. Don't know why. It
0: is football. Oh, oh sorry, God. it is hockey. Oh. It is hockey. <laughs> Played for Pittsburgh, Hartford, and Quebec. Mm. 704 games, 191 goals, 310 assists for 501 points, but he was a minus 105 in his career.
1: Wow. Plus minus doesn't matter.
0: No, but that was pretty considerable. <laughs> Last one, Chuck Howley.
2: Chuck Howley. That's a football name. You know what? I'm going to go hockey on this one, and maybe i miss remembering another player, like combining Harry Howell and Chuck Rayner, but I feel like Chuck Howley played for the New York Rangers at some point in the past, you know, 70 years. He's wrong. Hurry up. He is wrong. It's Hurry a football up. player.
0: Uh, he also won Super Bowl MVP. That was the theme. Every player won Super Bowl MVP. Wow. Really? Uh, right. 1971, played for Chicago and Dallas and is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. All
2: right. Never played for the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I like
1: that quiz. I like that one. Uh, a yeah, lot. worked out well. So Thank he
0: tied. You yeah. did tie. I blew
2: it. <laughs>
0: I, I had a
1: commanding
2: lead.
0: If you just... Gone with what he'd said. You would have won. That's true. I wasn't
2: strategic.
1: All right. That's all the time we've got for the Hockey News pregame Show. Thank you to BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. We're going to see you next time at the rink.